Hi and welcome to The Crime Pod. I'm Sam. And I'm Caitlin. Today I'm actually going to stick with Scotland for once. Wow. And I know, long time. Um, But I'm going to tell you about the murder of Caroline Glacken. So, Caitlin, do you know about this one? It rings a bell, but I don't know the full story, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Like, I think but, I know the name, but not the full story. Yeah, that makes sense. And I know you sent me the article on it. Um, so thanks for that. Finally get to that's do one in okay. Scotland that's not from yeah, the 1800s. Um, so I'll begin. Caroline Glacken was born in Northern Ireland. And I know I said I'd stick to Scotland, but bear with me. Okay, in 1982, as her father, William, was posted over there at the time by the military. She was pretty much a miracle baby from the fact that her mother, Margaret, she had had five miscarriages before Caroline. She was having great difficulty actually having been able to get pregnant and have a baby. And so when she was born, she was only just two pounds as well. So practically, like, this was... You know, she was a miracle from the get-go. Now, the family eventually moved back to Scotland to Bonhill, which is in Western Bartonshire, which is close to Loch Lomond as well. Now, from to paint a picture, obviously it's not, you know, on the banks of Loch Lomond. It's one of those, it's, you know, very grey. Like the old yeah. mountains are grey, there's stairs and everything like that. But, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. that's where we are. Now, when Caroline was seven, her parents divorced and Caroline stayed with her mum in Bonhill and her dad moved to the outskirts of Edinburgh. But Caroline did stay close with her dad and he visited her every two to three weekends and, you know, either saw her for the day or managed to keep her for the weekend. So it wasn't one of those situations where she never, ever saw her dad again. Okay. Caroline grew up to what you'd say is a typical teenager you know she was close with her family but she enjoyed socializing with her friends and she got up to things that she shouldn't have done right okay she attended our lady in st patrick's high school in dumbarton which if you haven't guessed it already is a catholic high school okay. and she was a popular girl she was confident she was kind she was caring and she was liked and she also liked being the center of attention but not in a bad way, you know. Now, Caroline, she got on well with her mum, but like I said, she was a typical teenager, so she didn't always come home on time after being out with her friends, and she'd always come back with an excuse, but her mum would always get the truth out of her in the end because she was just awful at lying. It just wasn't something she could do. Okay. Now, when Caroline was 14 years old, she began seeing an 18-year-old boy who lived in nearby Renton, which was over the other side of the River Leven from Bon Hill. Okay. It was easy enough access to get over to Renton. It was, it was a long walk, but there was a bridge and a towpath, and the towpath is like the path that's along the river. So kind of like, you know, the Water of Leith or some of our cycle paths, um... You know the path down at Wester Hales, how there's the river and then the two small kind of paths? Just to yeah, set yeah. the scene, 
like you know for someone I don't know now it was a nice walk during the day you know it would be somewhere you'd take your dogs etc but as you can imagine though it's pitch black at night there, there's no lights now obviously her mum disapproved of the relationship because what mother wouldn't when you're 14 years old going out with an 18 year old yeah and absolutely fair he was also into drugs and other things that not her or any mum would want their daughter to be involved in. Also, yeah, yeah. a big thing about her mum thought was, why would an 18-year-old, what would they want with a 14-year-old girl? So it was just something that they they didn't agree on, but she still went ahead and done it. Now, also her best friend, Joanne Menzies, and her other friends disapproved of it. But they disapproved of it because the boy already had a girlfriend. But Caroline ignored them all. Oh, right. And wow. continued to see him. Now, on the night of Saturday, the 24th of August, 1996, Caroline's mum was going out to celebrate her 40th birthday with some friends because her birthday was the next game day. So 14-year-old Caroline asked if Joanne could stay over. And obviously her mum's like, yeah, of course, no problem at all. Now, about 7pm that night, Caroline went out to go and meet Joanne because they'd normally do that on a Saturday. Um, one of those ones, you know, all day they'd try and get mum like money from their parents and things so that they could go out at night and, and meet up. Now, she met Joanne at the shops and then they went back to Caroline's house and it said they proceeded just to have a normal night. They went out and met their other friend Donna and around midnight, Caroline said that she was away off to meet her boyfriend right. and asked Joanne to go with her. Now, Joanne refused as she wasn't comfortable going down that way, as she had already been before and she didn't like it. So she didn't want to go again. Now, obviously, she also didn't want Caroline to go either. But Caroline, however, said that she'd be fine. I'm going. And so Joanne told her, you know, watch yourself. And off she went. Now, whilst Caroline sent, set off to Renton, Joanne went back to Caroline's house to stay over. Caroline walked along the main road towards the Dillichip area. She crossed Dillichip Bridge, which was known locally as the Black Bridge, and went right. along the unlit towpath along the River Leven. And she never returned home. At some point during her walk on the towpath, Caroline was murdered. Now, Caroline's mum came back that night to just Joanne in her house. She wasn't worried because it wasn't not like Caroline to be out past the time that she said she would be home. And, you know, it was just a normal night. And Margaret, she was sure that she'd come home in the morning with an excuse or that she would have called a friend or her auntie or whoever to either talk to her first or meet up with her so that they could come home and, you know, kind of soften the blow when she got home so that her mum, you know, wouldn't get mega angry. But Caroline never came home and she never phoned. Margaret was obviously angry when Caroline hadn't shown up in the morning, but then she began to worry like anyone would. So she called the police and she gave a description because she really, it's, she said that in her gut, 
she felt that something awful was wrong. Oh. Now, by the afternoon of the 25th of August, there were rumours going about that her body had been found in the River Leven. Now, Joanne, her friend, had went to meet up with a group of friends when they told her this information. And she couldn't believe it, because why would you? But she went back to Margaret to let her know. But as any adult would, you know, Margaret told her, don't worry, that wouldn't be Caroline. You know, she tried to reassure her. So when Joanne left the house, Margaret went to look out the window. And this is when a police car pulled up. And at that moment, she knew the body was Caroline. So Caroline's body had been found half submerged in the River Leven. She had been violently battered and her cause of death was head, head injury stroke drowning. Her clothes were still on, apart from her shoes, as they were on the embankment, and there was no evidence of sexual assault. So this was a battering, murder, death, you know, which yeah, yeah. You, I don't know why, but you're always like, oh, she's been found, it's going to be, you know, sexual assault or something, but thankfully there was nothing like that. I say thankfully, she's still been murdered, but you know what I mean. I know what you mean. Now, she had been found in the early hours of the afternoon on the 25th of August, 1996, by a dog walker. Because, you know, they seem to always find the bodies. I do feel sorry now, for them. He and I see why my sister refuses to walk the dog in the morning. I see why. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I get it. Now, he initially thought that she was a tailor's dummy in the water. But he got some assistance by a couple of guys. This is another thing. They always think it's a dummy and it's never a dummy. You're not going to find a tailor's dummy anywhere. Why would they dump that in water? Sorry, carry on. Apart from those awful statues on the water leaf and they're like made of bronze and you're like, oh my God, stop. Do you know the police get calls about them? Do they? Like when they first got put out, the police would get calls about them. But then they'd be like, this one on the water leaf and they'd be like, no, it's a statue. Yeah, you're like, like <laughs> so no, good. one's there. Um, <laughs> now, um, yeah, sorry. So he got some assistance by a couple of guys who were also on the path and they formed a human chain down to the riverbank just to check if it really was a body. And sadly, it was 14-year-old Caroline and the police, they were summoned. So, and the, and the guys had taken her out of the water. There was blood in the towpath, which indicated that the beating had taken place there. And at the time, they were unable to determine whether or not she was conscious or unconscious when she entered the river. Um, I did read, I'm sure I read a little line in one of the articles to say that, oh, it turns out that she was conscious, but then I couldn't find it again. So I could be talking nonsense. So we'll just say we don't know. Now, because Caroline's body had been in the water for about 15 hours by this point and the grass verge had been disturbed by those who rescued her, detectives found little forensic evidence. At the time, everything from the crime scene was retained by officers and, you know, filed away, including 300 items collected. However, I don't know what those 300 items were because it's not public knowledge and I can't find it anywhere but I'm just guessing you know it'll be your clothes it'll be your shoes it'll be nearby stones or things that were just on the path now a fingertip search was carried out at the nearby primary school and football pitch along with door-to-door inquiries 
but nothing was found. Even with the brutality of the crime and, you know, the huge publicity that it generated because it was so shocking, police were disappointed with the lack of response that came from their appeals for information. And there was a huge lack of witnesses and just a huge lack of information, And to be honest. However, a taxi driver came forward. Now, it was around about 12.15am on the, well, the morning of the 25th, shall we say. And the taxi driver and his passenger saw Caroline walking on her own, heading towards the Black Bridge. They both knew her and they confirmed that it looked like she was just acting normal and walking. So they didn't do anything. But what they did say, though, was that about 30 yards standing behind her in the dark was a man of about 20 to 25 years old, around five foot six, and he was wearing a dark green hoodie with the hood up. Mm. But unfortunately, that was the last confirmed sighting of Caroline. Now, another report came from two men walking their dogs. They heard a commotion, but only one voice. They heard a female voice arguing with somebody and they said they heard her say something like, oh, I didn't say that and I didn't do that. And, you know, arguing back to the person that she was with. Okay. So the dog walkers just thought, oh, it's just a couple arguing because you would think that in a way. Yeah, yeah. I would think that. So they didn't go and investigate. They just thought, oh, well, we'll leave them to it. And they walked off. Now, Police also spoke to a few other people that heard a commotion and also they were told about two men who were saw running at about quarter to one on that Sunday morning near the Kippendary in Alexandria, which I think are the shops and kind of housing bit. And mm-hmm. one of these people had a hoodie on. However, they were unsure if that was the same person who the taxi driver saw earlier behind Caroline because, you know, anyone can be wearing a hoodie. Now, police issued an artist's impression of the man described as having sharp features and wearing a green hooded top as they wanted to speak to him to help their inquiries, but he has never come forward and no one has said anything about him. Also, I've seen the drawing and kind of just like your genetic person, it's quite hard to, you know, pinpoint who that could have been. Now, the one thing that was known that night was that Caroline had intended to visit her boyfriend. Yep. Now, this is when we can all just start jumping to conclusions and blame the boyfriend. Because who wouldn't? But he had a solid alibi for that night. The police did, however, they did a full forensic search of the house that he and his three friends were at that night to see if there were any traces of Caroline but there was no result. So there was nothing there that could help their inquiry. Some people have said that the police spent too much time looking into people that knew her, which wasted time. And, you know, it may have allowed whoever done this to clean it up a little because they had taken their eye off the ball. But however, there's like a 90% chance that you're murdered by someone that you know. So I can see where they were going with it. But maybe, yeah, they might have spent possibly too much time on it. But, you know, they've got to look at all these avenues. And if it is 
someone that she knew, then yeah, they would have and the boyfriend them. definitely sounded like the most obvious one, and an alibi is very easy to fake. Exactly, exactly. But six months after Caroline's body was reco- recovered from the river leaving, she was finally laid to rest. So the wow. they hadn't had anything on the inquiry. They hadn't made an arrest, but they had finished, you know, doing everything that they had to do. And she was yeah, finally yeah. read to rest. Now, unfortunately, still no one by this time was arrested for the murder and no new information was coming to light. And eventually it became a cold case and there was nothing to be done. However, in August 2016, on the 20-year anniversary of Caroline's death, CCTV footage showing Caroline's last movements before being murdered was re-released by police, just hoping that it would jog the memory of anyone who may have spotted her that night. Yeah. And the, the footage, it was recorded by CCTV cameras, which were installed in a block of flats in Bonhill, and it shows Caroline and Joanne first stepping into the close at 10.35pm on August 24th, 1996. And it had the CCTV stamp, so that's what they're saying. Now, the pair are then seen leaving the block of flats at about 11.49pm. They walk down a footpath together, and then that's when, you know, they go their separate ways. Okay. Police Scotland detectives and forensic scientists, they started to reinvestigate the care, the case, and they held a police press conference in Bonhill Community Centre, and they launched Operation Fairing, so that's when they announced how they would use advances in forensic science to reinvestigate the case. So they started looking at the 300 items that they had and people started calling back in. And it was said that even they were getting calls from Australia because people who used to live there back then and now live in Australia. So it was it was getting some some response, at least. Yeah, definitely. And because a massive reappeal for information was launched and that was when 200 pieces of new information was received and that was all done by about 2017 but then the news goes quiet again so I couldn't find anything online after 2017 until the 25th of November 2021 25 years after Caroline's murder and only about three weeks ago now there was a few articles they all kind of said the same thing because it's all there's not too much information to give you here but three people have appeared in court charged with Caroline's murder Robert O'Brien 43 Andrew Kelly and Donna Brand, both 42, appeared in private before Dumbarton Sheriff Court. And I say Donna, and I'm sure that she was meeting her friend Donna, so not sure if that's just a coincidence. Like, I'm not the FBI, so, you know, I can't make nah, that. surely just she was like, meeting her friend Donna, that would be the same Donna. Yeah, who knows? We'll see in a few t- like months, hopefully, and we'll get the answers. Now, they made no plea or declaration and were remanded in custody. They're all from Dumbarton and returned to court about a week after this article was posted. So they were probably there last week. Now, the case called 
just hours after Police Scotland confirmed the arrests. Detective Chief Inspector Stuart Granger of the Major Investigations Team said, I would like to thank the members of the public who have assisted with our investigation and those who have come forward with important information surrounding Caroline's death. So someone said something Ooh. after 25 years. Now, I have no further information on this yet because I'm guessing it's now an ongoing court case. So we won't be privy to any information at the minute. However, I believe some more will come out next year or the year after. and. That's the story of Caroline Glacken and how 25 years later, three people have been arrested for her murder. I do love a cold case that opens back up. Yeah. But that's and then there's a three. And, mm. Yeah, three people. I guess I wonder though, if it's she like was... her friend Donna, maybe her partner. And then so it's not her boyfriend, is it? No, no. Um, and plus everything that was said, like, I just need. The name of the boyfriend was never coming up. So I think that's, you know, mm. private information because he's he wasn't a what you call it? Yeah, suspect or yeah. I wasn't yeah. charged so he can keep his identity. Yeah. But it is really interesting as well. So like if like you know, we'd mentioned earlier that the boyfriend was the main focus, but if she hadn't had that weird boyfriend, like they might have been able to find out so much more information if that wasn't their main like focus point, you know. Yeah, exactly. There could have been so much more that you could have got cleaned up. And then the fact as well that it was on a river that cleans all this information, you know, washes all the way, all the evidence. You just, yeah, the nightmare. Um, and I think obviously 25 years is a long time and maybe this won't go anywhere. But I think the, not the relief, that's the wrong word to use, but, you know, what her mum must be feeling now that is both her parents still alive been... I didn't want to ask that but are their parents both alive yeah I believe they are and Margaret she's always been working with the police you know she's doing everything she can and there's quotes of her saying like you know I just want someone to be you know charged with it and give you some peace of mind um yeah, no, definitely. And you hear about that though, and like that always reminds me of um, what's it called? The Myra Henley and Ian Brady with the boy who his <gasps> yeah. mum like died without just even knowing where he is. And I think it is it actually just gives people peace of mind, it doesn't bring them back, but they actually then get to know what happened. Mm -hmm. exactly. Which for some is like a luxury almost, you know, which is mad to think. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, that was good. And hopefully. In a couple of weeks, we've got another kind of bit of information about it. Yeah, I hope so. And we will all keep you updated. But this is our last episode before Christmas. Oh my God, is it? So, have a, yeah, our next episode, Boxing Day. So have oh. a very Merry Christmas. Yeah, and have a good one. Tune in to me talking rubbish to you on Boxing Day while you eat your leftovers. Oh, I couldn't think of a better Boxing Day, Caitlin. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs>